Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Halton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. I've been hinting at releasing this episode for the last couple of weeks. And to be honest, I'm not a huge fan of releasing episodes around numbers and sometimes investing altogether. I think for me, the FIRE movement is as much a time management and mindset initiative as it is uh, about investing. But I also think it's important to share what we've managed to do or what it looks like we've managed to do before we get started I might just go through the usual disclaimers just to say that obviously I am sharing what we've managed to do here. Everybody's case is different, so obviously check in with your bank or broker if this is something that you could possibly do. And that even though we've managed to pull it off, it doesn't necessarily mean that the sale will go through. There's still a couple of loopholes that we need to get sorted. So I'm not guaranteeing that this will work by any stretch of the imagination. It looks like the deal is good to go from our side, but as always, there's added complications and there's still valuations that need to be done and there's still engineering checks and so on. So again, treat this as a little bit of an opportunity to learn, but at the same time, feel free to apply this. And I will mention who the mortgage broker is that we used at the end of the episode as well, if you're interested. And while that's kind of nice is because we actually managed to get some fairly good interest rates based on Irish market conditions. So we managed to get a 3.9% rate on our buy to let and a 2.4% rate, that's interest rate, on our residential property. So I'm going to give a summary of basically how we managed to pull this off and it probably goes without saying from the episode title that we were able to do this using the existing equity in our primary residence. Now, for some of the overseas listeners, and guys, I do thank you if you are listening from outside of Ireland, There, I know there are a lot of you, this may not seem like such a shock. Where I'm from in New Zealand, using equity on your home to buy another property is almost part and parcel. In fact, I think I mentioned on the show before, I do know people in New Zealand who have literally got a mortgage from calling up their bank manager and releasing equity from their own properties. But in Ireland, since after the Celtic Tiger and the great financial crisis, this sort of thing has become a lot harder to do. But I was certainly keen to do it, and I think I have mentioned in the past that I've tried this before, and I've had some pushback, and finally I was able to find a mortgage broker who was willing and able to do it for us. Firstly, a couple of things in relation to our own personal situation. We were able to pull this off on a single income of around 44,000 euros per year. So my wife doesn't actually work, so she doesn't have any income, and it's just my loan salary of 44,000 a year, which as you guys are probably aware, comes in at about the tax cutoff rate, or the brand before it gets up to that 50% bracket. Now, as it is, there was a significant profit in the company, The company I'm talking about here is my web development consultancy business, and there was a a pre-tax profit of about €20,000 for the last two years, so approximately €10,000 per annum for the last two years. And they were actually able to use that as part of my income because it was money that was not drawn down. It was staying within the company. 
Now, it should be pointed out that I also had fairly significant pension contributions. They certainly did help. They averaged out at around 8,000 euros per year. They used that to prove our savings rate. So we actually had no regular savings. And as anybody knows who's probably trying to go for a mortgage, that's usually one of their major requirements. Uh, This particular bank was able to say, right, you guys can actually use your pension contributions to show your regular savings. So that was really, 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 really helpful in that sense. And it should be noted too that my accountant will always write off as much as he can when it comes to the actual accounts at the end of the year. So my profit typically shows as a little bit higher than what he does, but after depreciation and other various costs that he can account for, all legally of course, the actual profit is often a little bit lower than I anticipate. So it's one of those things where there's kind of an incentive that's kind of wrong, because from my side I'm trying to show as little profit as possible and make as many legal deductions as I can, but then you've got the banks wanting to show and see companies that are as profitable as possible. So it's kind of one of those tricky ones, but in this case, we managed to get it to work. And I guess the pension contributions are a great example of that. The pension contributions are actually an expense towards the company, right? So it actually takes profit out of the company, even though it's actually voluntary in that case and was able to be used to show savings. In the end, we did this with very, very little savings, right? In fact, we had no regular savings personally. We were just quite fortunate that during the last three or four months due to the COVID-19 situation, that we just weren't simply spending money. And so we'd sort of hustled some cash together. Uh, You really just need the cash to be able to pay the legals and the stamp duty and stuff like that. In the end, we had to have a little bit of extra cash because we didn't quite get financial approval as much as we wanted or all the way. But in theory, you could just have some cash to pay the stamp duty and the legals. uh, And you should be there or thereabouts depending on how much equity you have in your home. And speaking of which, I mentioned that we purchased our house back in 2013-14 for 105000 and we had a house valued at 220000 We had put an extension on. Uh, we also have a nice home office where I'm recording this episode from. And we looked after a home as well. Right? So we had it valued at two twenty, And we'd overpaid our mortgage for a few years. So we had approximately 67% equity in our home. We had a mortgage of around €74,000 remaining on the house. Now there's two options that you have. You either have the option to go and buy an investment property. So in our case, using the equity that we had. We could have gone and got an investment property for maybe around 130, 140,000, or we could have upgraded our home and actually rented out our current home. And I've mentioned in the past that we do have a pretty small house, especially for three children. So in the end, we decided that we were going to slightly upgrade our home and rent out our current house. And the nice thing about doing that is we know everything about our current house. So when it comes to renting it out, if there's any problems, we're going to have a good idea. And because I track my expenses, I also have a great idea how much the annual maintenance is and so on on the property. I'm not 100% sure yet, but I've been told that normally when you buy an investment property, there's a slightly higher stamp duty charge, I believe of 2%. By doing this, we should, in theory, not have to pay stamp duty again. And so we're actually getting the stamp duty at the lower 1% residential rate. But I will wait and see and confirm that maybe in a later episode if that is in fact true. So I'm not 100% sure on that one yet. The buy and let aspect has to pay for itself to make this deal work. So that's quite an important consideration. And what I mean by that is the rental income has to cover the mortgage costs and so on. Without that, the deal simply isn't going to happen. So you need to make sure that you're buying something that produces positive cash flow. That can be quite difficult. And that's why in our case, using our own home made a lot of sense because we were leaving equity within there. And so it was a lot easier for that to actually happen. 
And so from there, the numbers are actually fairly simple. And I don't want to dwell on this, but it's important to understand how these numbers work. And then you can see how you can work it out in relation to your own property. We had the house valued at 220000 And if we just look at it like that, with a buy-to-let investment, the banks want to have 30% equity in a home. So in this case, at 220, I knew that we could mortgage 70% of that. So that was going to leave 66,000 euros in equity, that's the 30%, and then give a mortgage of 154,000. So that's what I based everything on when I looked at the numbers. And I knew that the rent would bring in around 1350, 1400 a month. And so those were the numbers that we could give to the mortgage broker to say, look, this is the buy-to-let stats that we had. That new mortgage that was going to be put in 154,000, that was going to pay off our existing mortgage, which was 74,000, and that leaves 80,000 euros. And it was that 80,000 euros that we then used as a deposit on our new home. So for your second home, you normally need a 20% deposit. In this case, we had more than enough. We had an 80,000 euro deposit to use on our new home. And from there, it's all just a numbers game, right? And I'm going to just quickly run through some of the numbers that banks look for. So they want something that is less than three and a half times your annual gross income. So in our case, we had a gross income of around 54,000. That was a 44,000 plus a 10,000 euros that they gave us from the money that was left within the company. And three and a half times that, we knew we could get a mortgage of roughly 190,000. In the end, we didn't take a mortgage that high. They also uh, got us for having three kids, so they don't actually like that too much. So when you're considering having that extra kid, factor that in. In the end, we managed to make it work, but it was tight, very, very tight. If you are on two incomes, obviously, then that makes things significantly easier. And it should be noted that it is gross income they're looking for, not net income. So obviously with that 50% tax rate, if you are on that, then that can be in your favor in this case. Regular savings are the biggest thing that they like, and that's really what we missed out on. And it wasn't that we didn't have regular savings. We actually did. It's just that the money movement was so complicated. And for anybody who's self-employed, they can probably uh, vouch for this as well. You know, you're often moving money back into your company as capital because maybe sometimes your business needs it, and then you're drawing it out as well sometimes. And so the money flow isn't there, and it's not natural. What they would really like is 12 months worth of you just opening a deposit account and just putting in a lump sum payment each and every month, maybe on the same day. So you can go, here, look, we can easily cover this. So some of the mortgage stress stuff gets a little bit complicated. As I mentioned at the start, thankfully, they were able to take our pension contributions, which had been a thousand euros a month the last six months or so, and on the same day every month. And so that was a bit of a relief and we got a little bit lucky there. But the deal was really, really stretched in the end. And so part of me sharing this is so that maybe you guys can actually do a little bit of a better job than we did and have some of these numbers in place. Because I think the last thing I should really mention here, and I mentioned this to the mortgage broker as well because he has had a few calls from podcast listeners and I'm grateful that you guys are taking advantage of the services that he offers. As I said to him, I said, Hugh, you're going to get people calling you who are going to be in control and in the lead here and actually saying to you, here's the information. Can you make this work? And it was very much the way that I was in the deal. So I was talking to Hugh and he was saying, look, you need this. And I was saying, well, how about this? Would this work? So it's a case where it's not just a matter of going in and going, look, here's my numbers, please, please, pretty, please. You need to lead the broker or the banks a little bit. We did try and do this deal with Bank of Ireland as well, by the way. We did not get very far, right? They wanted so much paperwork. They were just trying to 
bury us in paperwork, that it became very, very difficult, and frankly, they were asking strange questions. They were curious as to why I had a, a major liability one year in 2018 in the business that was then no longer there in 2019. It just didn't make any sense, it was irrelevant, and I didn't even know why it was there. It could have just been some tax payable or a slightly larger accounting bill that year. Either way, the liability was gone the next year, so it seemed an, an irrelevant question to ask. The broker that I use, his name is Hugh. They have offices in Limerick and in Dublin, and their office is First Choice Financial Services. I'm going to link them in the show notes and specifically put a link to Hugh's profile. He will be expecting your call if you want to get in touch. And as Gavin J. Gallagher said on the last episode, do a dry run, right? So call him up, see where you're at, put a sort of rough purchase price of what you'd be wanting to buy and see how the numbers look. You know, let him put it into his system and his calculator and see actually what comes back. And if it's a case of going back in 6 or 12 months, so be it. The bank that we used in the end was Finance Ireland. That was who Hugh was recommending. Uh, They seem to be quite good and favorable for people who are self-employed. And so that was great. And as I mentioned at the start of the episode, the interest rates that they actually gave us were better than what we had at Bank of Ireland. So it was one of these odd situations where we actually borrowed more money and got a more favorable interest rate. Hopefully that gives you guys a good idea of how we were able to pull this off. Like I mentioned, we did not have a huge amount of cash on us other than money that we hustled together fairly quickly. There are probably much better ways to do this, but the main point is, is if you have found that your house has increased in value over the last few years, and you do have some equity in your home, then you can start thinking about how to leverage that, right, and how to actually use that. I will be updating my portfolio once this deal goes through. It is a little bit of a strange one. I've never counted the equity in our home as part of our investment portfolio. Possibly I should have. I know that many people do. Excitingly, when I do include it, it brings our net worth up to just under €250,000. So it has had a major impact on us, which has been great. And so it makes complete sense to actually leverage that as much as we can. If you do have any questions or any specifics on this and you do want to reach out to me perhaps before you get in touch with Hugh, then by all means reach out to me at michael at firepodcast.ie and I will do my very best to answer this. And other than that, I look forward to catching you on the next episode. If you're a big fan of the show, why not become an Irish Fire Podcast member for free? Members receive access to inside information that isn't shared on the podcast as well as regular updates such as a monthly newsletter. To become a member, visit www.firepodcast.ie.